Mindfulness Mode, 239. Those smaller steps and those smaller daily decisions add up to something bigger. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Once again, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining me here on Mindfulness Mode, Mindful Tribe. Last time, I talked with a man who gave up. He gave up on the corporate way of life, and he learned, and this is in his own words, a new way to be with people. He's such a people person. Gareth Young, he was featured on my last episode. You may want to go back and check out mindfulnessmode.com slash 238. And as a thank you for joining me here, you may want to check out the Fine Tune Your Focus 5-Step Challenge. It will be a gift for you once you have a chance to try this. And it's a free download. All you have to do to get some meditation happening in your life is download these five free videos. First of all, they will come to you in your email one by one and then you can get started and I go through the process of meditation with you. If you've already meditated for some time, you may enjoy this gentle guided meditation with enough space that you have your own room to meditate. But if you're just beginning, this will help you as well. It's simple, inspiring video. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash focus. Today, Mindful Tribe, I will tell you the name of her business is One Word. And it's a word that I think is fantastic for the name of a business. It's Flourish. She helps people move out of frustration and into confidence. She's a public health expert. She's a great lady to hang out with. So sit back, relax, and absorb the knowledge of Nancy Vito. Hey, everybody. Today, I have with me a fantastic, vibrant guest, and her name is Nancy Vito. So, Nancy, are you in mindfulness mode? I am indeed, Bruce. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Nancy Vito is a fascinating person, and I'm going to share a little bit with you about Nancy. She has a story about a cement truck, and when this incident (laughs) happened in her life, it sounds like it was really quite a pivotal experience, but I'll tell you, she's a transformational life coach. She's a public health professional, and she's a certified health educator specializing in helping people go from functioning to flourishing. And don't we all want to flourish? I mean, what a world that will be. She works with creatives, aspiring entrepreneurs, and other professionals who want to get unstuck, prevent burnout, and take steps toward what they really want in life. She holds a master's degree in public health with emphasis on prevention and mental health. And she's in the process of obtaining a graduate degree in organizational psychology. So we're going to talk about mindfulness today, of course, as you know, Nancy. And so let's start with this. What does mindfulness mean to you? What does this word conjure up in your mind when you hear it? Mm, It means being aware. Um, To me, it means being um, conscious of the present moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, Nancy, when someone comes to you to talk to you about changing their life, they'd love to have a transformation in their life, how do you start by evaluating them? What kinds of things do you look for? Does it sort of have to do with mindfulness at that point? You know what? Um, It does. It helps in in terms of the bigger picture, it helps t- for the person to see where they are, right? Um, which helps to, of course, you know, you, you, you can't change anything that you're not aware of, right? So right. helping them to become aware of their current situation in order to take steps forward to change it is, is generally the first step. And it's generally not me telling them, of course, I can serve as a mirror and offer what I see. Um, it's really more about them getting those aha moments and me asking the appropriate questions for them to come to these conclusions, which absolutely takes mindfulness. <laughs> sure. And Nancy, do you find that most people that come to you really truly know what they want already? Some of them do. Um, and some of them don't. It's interesting. It's an interesting mix, actually. Um, some of them say they don't know when they actually know, but they're afraid to move forward. Um, some of them know when they're, you know, just needing a little bit of a nudge. So it's a little bit of a, of a combination of both. And uh, it really takes, again, some self-awareness to know what feels right uh, in order to move forward. And so when you determine what they do want and you determine where they're at now, is there an average length of time that it takes people to move forward to that destination or is it all over the map? (laughs) It's interesting. It is all over the map. I start out with a package of 12 sessions and there's a reason for that is because you know, we can't change overnight and we develop these habits and thinking patterns and all of that for years and years and years. And a lot of this is inner game, right? So we can have a game plan and we can have all these action steps to move forward. And yet a lot of times we, you know, stay stuck in our patterns. Um, a lot of times fear, procrastination, all of those fun ways that we, you know, use to get in our own way. Um, but you know what? I've worked with clients for a few months. I've worked with clients for years. So it it really just depends. And some people continue to work with me simply to keep moving forward and to keep growing and learning and evolving. And yeah. And do you find that a lot of the people that you work with have worked with other people previously and they found that unsuccessful? I've heard some people say that they've worked with therapists. Now, to me, it's it's two different things. Um, oftentimes, when people come to me, they've never had a coach or a life coach. Um, but I've heard several people say that they've tried therapy and it wasn't exactly what they thought it would be and they wanted something different out of it. Now, I'm a huge proponent for there's certainly a time and a place for mental health treatment and counseling and, and all of that to heal. Um, yet coaching is definitely very different, as I'm sure you know, and it's more action-oriented, goal-oriented, and and that sort of thing. So Yeah, for sure. I know the word flourish means something special to you. Can you tell us why that word is so important in your life? Yeah, so that's my business name, first of all. Um, And it's interesting because when I worked in mental health, which is my background, I around 2009, 2008, I started to discover this whole um, work, basically there's a whole piece of work and research on human flourishing. And just about the time where I was feeling like I needed a change, 
I realized that this was so just um, empowering and uplifting to me. Once I really started delving in and started um, reading about what makes somebody flourish versus languish, or I, it's kind of like a spectrum, you know, everyone kind of falls somewhere on the spectrum. And uh, a lot of people fall somewhere in the mid in the middle, which is considered moderately mentally healthy. And I really was super interested and still am um, in finding out what makes someone go from that middle part of the spectrum up to flourishing and having a, a flourishing life. So. Well, let's talk about what happened to you and what involved this cement truck. Tell us about that day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there was um, definitely many turning points or several turning points um, in my life just about the time where, um, you know, I was really um, not very mindful at the time. I just didn't know, you know, the whole term, you know, or the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. I simply was kind of on autopilot and creating a lot of my own stress and overwhelm. And just about the time where I was just feeling like stressed, overwhelmed, just chronically, you know, going from job to job, I was, you know, what a lot of people I'm sure would say a mess, you know, <laughs> I um, was at work one day, took a lunch break, which was a very unusual thing. And I was at a traffic light, the light turned green, I went to proceed to move forward. And there was a cement truck that was coming down the road and proceeded to run the red light, his red light when it turned red, and sure enough, hit the side of my car. So obviously, I'm fine. I'm here to tell the story. And you know, everything turned out fine. Yet it was kind of a wake-up call in a lot of ways. And looking back on it, there were definitely some metaphors I could make out of it and say, you know, it was a cement truck, so I was also feeling very stuck, and even my car was burned out, and all of these things I can look back now and kind of, you know, laugh at in a way. Um, because, again, I walked away totally okay, surprisingly. Um, you know, my car was total, but I was okay. But ultimately, uh, it was one of the turning points in my life because um, at that point, it had just been one thing after another after another, and it was kind of a wake-up call that things needed to change. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always take literally being hit by a truck to realize that, but it did for me. <laughs> and how long did it take you to change, and what was the change that you made? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, it actually took... Gosh, I was at that job maybe a couple more months um, until I realized, all right, something something needed to change. Um, I, gosh, I went from being a psychological assistant for a, um, a psychologist to working at a university. And it was one of those things where I, and that change happened within a couple of months, it was one of those things where I went from one place to another and still didn't learn what I needed to learn. Yeah. So it wasn't until five years later that I completely made some major changes in my life and became self-employed. So, but it took, it took a while then, you know, from the one job to the other job, it, it probably took a, a total of maybe five, five and a half years. Right. So when you became self-employed, did you quit a full-time job to do that? Or did you sort of gradually move into it, say, like from a part-time position or something? 
Yeah. I quit my full-time job and then held on to, I would take contract positions here and there. So I did it gradually. Um, I'm currently 100% full-time employed. Yet, yeah, in the beginning, that's what it took. And and it was perfect for me. You know, everyone does it a little bit differently. For me, I continue to take on little contract projects. And it's amazing how things seemed to show up at the right time. You know, like I, I quit my job, um, didn't really have anything solid in place. And just at the right times, things, I don't always recommend that, of course, but it did seem to work out beautifully for me because oh, as great. one contract would end, I would get a phone call out of the blue asking for, you know, a small um, consultancy project that, that would come up. So I did half and half still for a while and, um, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. A minute ago, you mentioned you're, you're now 100, 100% employed. Do you mean self-employed? Self-employed. Yes. Right. That's what I thought you meant. Oh yes. If I said employed, yes. A hundred percent self-employed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just wanted to check on that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's very interesting where your path has taken you, and now you're still on that path, and you're you're learning more and and moving toward getting a degree. Right? Tell us about that. I am. I am one of those people who's just a lifelong learner. Um, I just love. I just love it. I do. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things yeah. that it lights me up. Um, so on a super part-time basis, I am getting another graduate degree, just one one class a semester. I'm not going to overwhelm myself. It's simply for fun, and I'm keeping that in mind. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, take on a full load while I'm also, you know, uh, doing a million other things, right? So, right. Um, so yes, I I became more and more interested in like um, burnout worker well-being, overall um, balance, stress, you know, balance, I know is a tricky word. Um, but in general, I just think that there are um, so many companies and organizations um, that, uh, you know, just the mindset within the culture is very much hustle, 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 work, don't take care of yourself, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so I started taking classes in psychology and ultimately organizational psychology um, to better be able to help people in, in that area. Well, I recently talked to an expert at corporate in the corporate world, and he said one of the biggest problems in the corporate world is work-life balance. Would you, would you agree with that? I would. And I would say that um, it has such a ripple effect um, when someone is not necessarily taking care of themselves and um, and the issue is or one of the main issues is that people are taking work home with them, which is maybe a little bit of a change because, you know, people say, well, what's different because my grandparents always worked so much or my parents or whatever. I think that's one of the changes is that, you know, people are feeling the need to reply to emails at 10 p.m., um, you know, and working right up until bedtime and that sort of thing. And just this feeling of always having to be almost on call, even though it's not really often an emergency. Um, but what happens is ultimately people are showing up to work tired. People are burning out. There's, you know, turnover. Um, people aren't as productive and efficient. So um, it's so it's an issue. You know, it's so it's also in the company's best interest, um, you know, to care for the well-being of the employees as well. 
Yeah, for sure. And for those of us who are in, uh, who are self-employed, who are entrepreneurs, there's this whole area of of social media, which is just happening all the time, all the time. Do you participate yeah. in social media, and are you constantly trying to update and keep up with that game? Yes, it's interesting uh, that you said that because I just hired someone to help me because I don't want to be on <laughs> on all the time. Um, so I, it's interesting. My my um, personal Facebook page, I probably haven't updated. I mean, I might update once every, who knows, couple months or something. You know, I, I'm hardly ever on there. Um, my business Facebook page, I do feel the need to keep up with. So oftentimes I'll schedule ahead of time. Luckily, Facebook has that option to be able to do that. Um, but I have chosen where to focus my time and my efforts. Um, I, this is actually an example I have taken off. I don't have Facebook on my phone at all. I don't have Facebook messenger on my phone at all. So that helps me, um, be sure to unplug and know that, you know, if someone comments or messages or whatever it might be, um, it's likely not a life or death situation and I'll get to it when I get to my computer. I just, I simply don't know about it <laughs> unless I'm at my computer and log in. So. Yeah. That sounds like it makes a lot of sense. That's for sure. There's so much talk these days about being stuck. And that's a term that I think we need to talk about. Why do so many people feel stuck and how can you help them to move forward? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I do hear that term a lot. When people first come to me, they say, I feel like I'm stuck. Um, I've, I've even heard the term trapped, which is an interesting term to use too. But, you know, oftentimes it's either not having clarity, you know, not knowing what to do, you know, in terms of moving forward. And as we were kind of talking about before, sometimes people know what they want, but they have a hard time moving forward, whether it's because of fear, whether it's because, you know, we're getting in our own way, you know, fear is, is really a huge part of it. Um, you know, any kind of change can be scary. Um, fear of the unknown, fear of success, fear of looking like a failure, fear of what will people think? Am I enough? All of those things. Um, also sometimes just keep us, keep us stuck. So, you know, what I help people with is first of all, to gain clarity on where they are, where they want to be, and then focus on how can we, you know, take steps to get to that place. So it, and it really boils down to one step at a time because people sometimes also stay stuck because it seems so overwhelming to get to where they want to be. They might have a vision for their life or they might have an idea of, man, that would be really cool. Yet, it might seem so overwhelming, like how the heck am I going to do that? So really, um, you know, coaching is a lot about, as I'm sure you know, is a lot about taking one step at a time and those smaller steps and those smaller daily decisions add up to something bigger. Yeah, for sure. So (laughs) I want to ask you about meditation. Is meditation part of your life? And if so, what does it look like in your life, Nancy? Indeed, indeed. I do meditate every morning. Um, I feel off if I don't, (laughs) I feel much more productive when I do it just, to me, it helps set the tone for the day. And then, um, in terms of mindfulness, cause I, I personally don't use the term interchangeably. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of infuse mindfulness throughout the day and I might do a small five minute meditation or 10 minute meditation throughout the day or a walking meditation. But my morning meditation is the one definite consistent. 
occasionally I'll do one at night before bed. Um, but the, the morning one is my, is my consistent. Right. And is that a silent meditation? Is it guided? How, how long is that? Yeah, I will do a, a silent meditation for 20 minutes. And then for the smaller ones throughout the day, those are the ones that are usually the guided. Right. I see. Right. I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. And I want to ask you a question about that because that's related to mindfulness. I mm-hmm. I just found out, well, it just gradually came to me that, you know, the more I can teach my people about mindfulness, the more they can see bullying in a different way and they can deal mm-hmm. with it differently. Do you have a story you can share about either when you're a child or even as an adult, a story about uh, bullying where mindfulness would have made a, a difference? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, I think that in general, and you know, when we're more mindful, we can control our emotions a little bit better and better and kind of take a step back. Um, God, I can't think of a specific story, but I feel like in general, it will help being, it'll help people be less reactive, right? Um, just taking a step back, you know, focusing back on your breath and, and bringing yourself back to the present moment versus, you know, being explosive or, you know, yeah. And really empathy can tie in with that too, in terms of the, the bullying. So yeah, I can see how it'd be really helpful. Yeah, let's let's step back to when you were seven years old. You were a child. Tell us about a day in your life and what that looked like. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it's interesting you say that actually because I I was an angry temper tantrum child. So I, I'm one of those kids where if I knew about mindfulness growing up, I I. I don't know how I would have, you know, I mean, obviously everything unfolded as it needed to be. And I learned about mindfulness as an adult um, and learned a lot of lessons along the way. As a seven-year-old child, um, even going back further, you know, my mom jokes about how, you know, I cried for four years. I cried. I didn't sleep for four and a half years. You know, it's just I was one of those kids that was just angry, very um hyperactive temper tantrums, um, which people look at me now and they're like, really, I get that a lot. Like, really, that doesn't seem like, you know, um, but I was. And, um, as a matter of fact, uh, let's see, you, you mentioned seven, you're very intuitive. It must've been my seventh or eighth birthday party that was actually canceled because I got angry at a little girl neighbor and threw a ball at her. And that same day, my birthday party was canceled. So oh. I think that if I, I know, if I had, and yeah, I, t- tons of stories. I was kicked out of kindergarten because I was having temper tantrums and they just couldn't handle me, like all of these things, right? But I look now at all of these programs that are popping up about mindfulness and um, meditation for kids and yoga for kids and um, and that sort of thing. Um, I wonder, you know, how I, how it would have been in terms of me growing up. And my parents ultimately, you know, put me in a strict school. They they did everything that they could and knew how to do. Of course, um, changed my diet. My mom was very ahead of her time um, in that way. Um, and yet, uh, yeah, so it's very interesting. A typical day, you know, of, of my seven-year-old life was very much, 
you know, I was very obedient at school, yet at home. And for whatever reason, I was always very um, kind of just hyperactive and um, reactive in general. So it would have been really interesting to see how, you know, mindfulness and meditation and all of that would have um, impacted me as a child. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned diet. Now, do you talk to your clients about diet, about eating sugar or about carbs, anything like that? You know, we touch on it, but I'm certainly not an expert on it, but we do talk about it a little bit just in terms of the bigger picture. So for example, if someone's having trouble focusing and every, you know, afternoon they are getting a sugar crash or a, you know, um, whatever it might be. Or for example, if they see the ripple effect of not sleeping well, and then the next day being totally unproductive and then realizing that they're drinking caffeine all day long up until nighttime, you know, then we'll talk about that. But certainly, you know, I don't claim to be a a health coach or nutritionist or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, everything ties in together, everything, you know, so yeah, as a kid, you know, my mom had taken me off of red dyes and sugar and all of, all of those things. Um, I was the kid at school with the trail mix and granola bars and prunes and apples, uh, versus, you know, Cheetos and Doritos. So yeah, I was the kid no one wanted to trade with, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, if that's okay. Sure. So the answer is just 30 seconds or less. That'd be great. The first okay. one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Mm, uh, so a sociologist named Corey Keyes. I, I saw him speak uh, years ago and um, really on positive psychology and that whole concept. Um, so mindfulness is, is related to it. So that would be the person. Interesting. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? And you've talked about it a little bit, but can you sum that up? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely much less reactive and much more conscious of my behavior and how my behavior affect, uh, affects others. And uh, yeah, just in general, much calmer. <laughs> how is breathing affected mm-hmm. your mindfulness? How is that part of it? I just love, yeah, I love the whole concept. It just brings me back to center, helps me become grounded. It's something I can do anywhere, um, on a plane, on the subway, uh, any of that. Um, you know, in the middle of a workday, I can take some conscious deep breaths and, and be, you know, just have a change just within seconds. For sure. If you could recommend a book related to this topic, what would that book be? Oh, gosh. Well, The Power of Now comes to mind, Eckhart Tolle. It's a classic. Um, Sure is. That one stands out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So can you recommend an app? Is there an app that that you could suggest that's connected to mindfulness? Yes. My favorite is Calm. C-A-L-M, calm. Um, And that's when I ever do, when I do guided meditations, that's the one I use. And they actually, they have a timer too for for silent ones, but the guided ones are fantastic. Yes, they are. I totally agree. Well, it's been great talking with you today, Nancy. How can Mindful Tribe connect with you, learn more about what you do, and maybe even connect on social media one way or another? Sure. So the best way to find me is through my website, um, which is nancyvito.com, N-A-N-C-I-E-V-I-T-O. Um, social media, you can find me at um, facebook.com uh, slash Flourish Wellness. So Flourish Wellness on Facebook and Nancy Vito on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending the time with us. It's been really valuable. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. All the best. Take care now. You too. Okay, bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.